0: Welcome to the Upland Nation Podcast. I'm Scott Linden, your host on this journey into the outdoors. This time of year, it's about training young dogs, maybe some testing coming up in the springtime, late spring. And uh, all the things that matter to us, uh, particularly this week, we'll be talking about keeping your dogs safe and healthy. My guest is Alex Langbell. Alex is the founder of a company called Gun Dog Outdoors. I was intrigued with their, well, I'll call it an everything kit for um, Gun Dog Safety and First Aid. Saw him first and met him at Pheasant Fest and looking forward to having a long and fruitful discussion about taking care of your dog, particularly when it comes to his health and well-being. Of course, we've got lots more, including the Upland Nation glossary where we hit the letter I. And if you have suggestions, I could sure use a few in that world. I have a chance for you to win a shotgun. And boy, did I fire up the internet with that question about why some people won't take a newcomer hunting. So we'll be covering a little bit more of your comments on that topic as we get deeper into the Upland Nation podcast. We're made possible by Roughland Performance Kennels, Sage and Breaker Gun Care Products, Pointer Shotguns, Dr. Tim's Natural Performance Dog Food, Mid Valley Clays and Shooting School, and AudioCardio.com. Well, how's your week going? Maybe you're listening on the weekend and maybe you're getting out into the field with your dog, doing some training. Highest priority around here. Yeah. By the way, finding some target ammo once in a while, so that's also getting moved up on the list, doing a little bit more practice in that world. But right now, it's all about that Covey flush and steady to wing shot and fall with Flick. We're making progress every day. What's your objective? Been talking about that a little bit on Facebook as well, so cover some of those in uh, coming weeks. We're also looking for some training water. It's the constant battle out here in the high desert, looking for a good piece of pond that has everything we need, a little vegetation, a little bit of depth, and something a little closer than the stuff I have to drive to. If you're a NAVDA member, you know the drill. It is tough to find the perfect piece of water. But we keep looking. And we get lucky once in a while, and some of those are public and most of them are not. So uh, it's one of those tests for the humans getting ready to put their dogs to the test. All right, we got Alex coming up in just a moment. Let me remind you that we are brought to you in part by Sage and Breaker Gun Care products. They're crafted at the highest caliber always free shipping. I think I mentioned that, um, they've got anything you need in the way of taking care of your hunting guns and uh, all your other guns for that matter as well, from educational visiting videos to all the hardware and tools you need cases of various sorts to carry your gear in and to carry all your cleaning stuff in. And, um, One of the things I saw very, very long time ago in its prototype stage, and now it is perfected, it is the one-pull-bore cleaner. You know, the snake kind of style. Well, this one is so well thought out, so flexible in its uses, and so easy to use, period. You got to check it out. It's all at sageandbreaker.com. And uh, just got a load of uh, catalogs from my good friends at Pointer Shotguns. If you'd like to get your own copy, you can pick it up online or they will send you one. Glad to do that. Go to LegacySports.com. That's where you take a look at the full line of Pointer Shotguns. They got a little of everything from starter guns for kids, uh, smaller guns for uh, youth and uh, smaller statured adults. Over and unders, semi-automatics, they got high-end aqueous to entry-level target, field, and uh, all of them are available with that Cerakote finish in various colors. Learn more about the Pointer Shotgun line at LegacySports.com. Well, I said in the introduction, I was intrigued with uh, with his gear when I walked past and uh, enough so that we got to talking and, and, yeah, somebody else who's as concerned about their dogs as I am in the field and right after we're hunting uh, on the tailgate, if you will. Alex Langbell joins me. Alex, thanks for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast. You
1: betcha. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it.
0: You know I was first my I was first caught by your um what you call the 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 gun dog outdoors field trauma kit and, uh, and 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 i know you're differentiating between that and just a simple first aid kit or something like that we'll get into that as well but you've got some other things we'll talk about uh, at your booth there and then all of the other things you're thinking about all the time uh, particularly things that we can probably do better in the field but let's start with your background because you and i share a couple bits of common ground somewhere in there don't we
1: we sure do. We sure do. I, I I'm sure, just like you, um, grew up in a hunting family. I've been hunting and fishing since so I can remember. this age is three years old, four years old, tromped around the woods in Montana, and and so I just have, got that as a background. And then I just uh, really have a- always owned dogs. I mean, I can. I, we've always owned dogs in our family, and so I just uh, kind of started that transition. Next thing you know, I. I ended up becoming a hunting guide and and did that for 10 years and like you know i put a video camera in my hand and started making hunting videos and, and then i was approached by a couple of companies and they wanted me to produce a tv show for them so i produced two tv shows the foul life uh with chad building i did that the first three years produced that with my camera guys and and did the the grind waterfowl tv did that started that show it's still they're both actually still on tv um started both those shows and uh Yeah, I've just been in the industry for a long time, and then I I realized through forever that there just really wasn't any companies focused on the safety of hunting dogs. I mean, yeah, they make, like, vests and stuff, but there's nothing really – that's my main goal, and and that's kind of where – having a background, I was a a firefighter EMT for 27 years, so I've seen every kind of injury that can happen to a human – and to a to a dog. And, and I've seen a lot of stuff that I really didn't agree with when I was traveling the country filming TV shows and stuff like that. I just realized there need to be more education, more awareness um, on on that subject because um, these dogs are no longer um, the old school way with these their tools. Well, these aren't tools. These are our, our, our best friends. They're, they're sleeping in our houses now in our beds and our, stuff like that. So um, yeah, that's just been my mission now with the, with this company is just, getting awareness out you know providing products that makes life a lot easier and preparedness because people don't think about um you know injury after the fact or how it's like buying a fire extinguisher after you have a fire it's just if unless you've been subjected to that or you're in the industry you don't really think about that stuff and so um yeah that's kind of where the whole concept of the Gun Dog outdoors came from
0: well, uh, that first part of that story um, makes me wonder why it's taken so long for you and me to get together on something, but but we'll, we'll talk about that over several dozen beers someday. Uh, you, you, you brought up something that I'm, I'm intrigued with, and I'm that way as well, whether I when I was a Boy Scout leader, and then I produced a Boy Scout TV show and all of that, mm-hmm. and on to now, the whole idea of being prepared. I know it's a cliche, but it's also mm-hmm. true. Uh, Absolutely. And, and a lot of times what I do is when I'm, when I'm gearing up for a trip, I think about, okay, maybe I'll be fine, but what about him and mm-hmm. him? And, and, you know, we've all got the, we've all got the story and I'll never forget the one time I was on the other side of a draw from a buddy and uh, I hear a bang and then I see him sitting on the ground. And uh, so I, over ice-covered streams and everything else, I get over to the other side thinking, the guy shot himself in the foot. Now, don't ask me how I jumped to that conclusion, but it wasn't true, of course. Uh, but he was glad that I was there. <laughs> Luckily, I didn't have to pull out my own field trauma kit, but, but the idea of being prepared is something, You know, how do you, in, in, how do you impress upon people the importance of that when it comes to their dog?
1: Well, you know, and, and that's the thing. It's like, first of all, these these animals, they're, they, there's so much drive in some of them. They just go and go and go, and they, they'll come back injured, and you don't even know it. And they're just so tough. You might hear a little yelp, um, and then they come back. I, I've heard stories of dogs getting bit by snakes, and, and they hear a yelp, and they don't think anything of it. Next thing you know, the dog's pretty much dying right there. They're yeah, really just yeah. tough. So so um, the, the biggest thing is just awareness and paying attention to what's going on with your dog. You know, us, the waterfowl hunters, you got to pay attention. It's cold weather. We, the, the, you know, the colder it is, the better the hunting is. And, and unfortunately you're throwing your dog out there and all you got's a five millimeter vest on. And, and I mean, they're, they got to live in, you know, they're living creatures with a heartbeat and blood flowing through them. So they need to be monitored. They just, they're not invincible. And so that's, that's kind of, you know, where, where I come in. is just like, Um, I'm letting people know that just pay attention to your dogs and and be prepared for anything that happens. Make sure they're hydrated. They're athletes. Think about what they're doing. You know, I go on a goose hunting and and my dog retrieves 15 to 20 birds running as fast as you can back and forth. I mean, or, or, you know, to to go pheasant hunting and they're running the entire four hours. Um, They need water. (laughs) They need to make sure they're not getting, you know, thorns and seeds and birds and all that stuff. So it just, um, and for the most part, it's the older hunters realize that only because they've seen it happen to their dogs, but it's the young, the new hunters who haven't really experienced that. And they get a new dog and they're running it and, and they don't realize all of a sudden their dog is panting, their tail's drooping, or whatever. And they just they're going to, you know, um, heat exhaustion because they didn't drink water or you yeah. didn't prepare yeah. them or you, know, you didn't feed them correctly. So that's the whole idea of um just just educate education and awareness
0: you know yeah you know the awareness thing you know uh the I talk about it all the time in a, in a more of a hunting in a strategic context, how if you're watching your dog, paying attention to your dog, you're going to learn a lot and you're going to be able to teach that dog more as well. But, you know, a, a, who it was a veterinary orthopedic surgeon many years ago said to me, you know, your dog, like you said, Alex, is not going to show pain very often. And it could be mm-hmm. anything, like you said, from a snake bite to a broken toe. And I've, I've lived yep. through all the above. Uh, most of the time it's something very subtle and you mentioned tail drooping or slowing down Um, the other things that i've seen a lot is coming out of the kennel real slow in the morning or um, not jumping up onto the tailgate there's a whole bunch of things that will if you know to look for them are pretty good indications can you think of any others like that we ought to add to our list
1: Oh yeah. Um. Like you said, that's so important. I mean, your your dog. You know what your dog normally acts like. If your dog is not acting normal, there's something wrong with it, and, and that's the biggest thing is paying attention to them. And the tail group is a big one. Excessive panting is a big one. Laying down in the heat. I mean, if they're laying down high especially if the, the upland bird hunters, they're running around out there chasing, all, if they're all of a sudden looking for shade and laying there excessively, pan, take a break, sit yeah. down, give them some water, get, get yourself some water, you know, get them in the air-conditioned truck if it gets to that point. Um, you know, it's just like it, the over uh, exertion of, of dogs, especially uh, with what we do, is just so... Um, dangerous i mean it is so um you know excessive panting um like i said just not acting normal the tail group is yeah. a big one not wanting to get in the water now if your dog if those for those waterfowl hunters out there and i've seen this firsthand i've seen dogs go to seizures and do all that and stuff um but if your dog does not want to go in the water when it normally wants to go in the water do not get mad at it and throw it yeah. in the water that's yeah. hey, the most ridiculous thing you can do and you're you're risking that dog's life i've actually seen that and like anyway i had words with the owner good, <laughs> on that
0: good. Hunt,
1: but yeah but, well uh, he learned his lesson
0: <laughs> and, and you might have saved a dog's life for that matter and you know there's one other thing and um you mentioned heat and, and a lot of us forget that uh, you know the the biggest dog killers out there are the cold and the heat i was uh, i was in south dakota for a governor's hunt a few years back and that's generally a couple weekends after opening day and uh, and by then all the stories were circulating about all the dogs that had died on opening weekend it was 80 degrees and there was a lot of overweight out of condition dogs that were forced to hunt all day maybe all weekend and that'll do it but you know along those lines overheated dogs another one it looks cute it's kind of funny and we all take the picture and that is not only do they seek shade but they'll seek shade and then they'll dig down a few inches and lay in their hole that they've made if your dog is digging holes in hot weather it's time to quit man just stop give them water and go back
1: you're so absolutely right on that it's just so important and and like you said these dogs like i was saying earlier these dogs are athletes but if you don't if you don't train you you, you don't see any football players go out and not practice or basketball players not practice all of a sudden go play a full game out there with no practice, or they're overweight. They haven't they haven't trained all season. Now all of a sudden they're playing the big game. Mm-hmm. That's the same thing when you're taking these dogs out and you're going, especially in the early season, and you're not. These dogs are not in shape because you they've sat around or you you've been too busy to train them. You know if you if that's the you know if that's what's happening take your time and just don't hunt as hard you just don't it's not going to go and hunt for four hours i'm sorry if you have a lab who's eight years old out of shape yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just isn't going to happen so
0: yeah every every day is a super bowl for your gun dog that's for sure mm-hmm. so alex langbell at uh, gundogoutdoors.com uh you guys are listening to the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden um if you were speaking of Super Bowl, if you were going to have your best hunt of the season, and you had one last season, now you know what? What is it? Is it a waterfowl hunt, and how did it go? Oh wow! Well, I am a
1: I am a diehard waterfowler. I I do love hunting. I, I do everything from big game hunting to uh, you know I'm fishing, all that stuff. And but waterfowling is my. If I'd ex- duck hunting would be my thing and and I've had some amazing hunting I live up here in Montana now had some great hunting um, last year Um, I got managed to go and hunt some of the smaller rivers on a jet boat around here which is absolutely my favorite because you're shooting ducks in tight quarters and they're just beautiful green heads and dropping in and and I just I just something about that and I love watching the dogs work and and it's just a it's just a great great experience to be able to do stuff more more of that stuff. So that yeah. we've had a couple of phenomenal hunts.
0: Well, you know? we we um we we can do that with the drift boat on the Deschutes once in a while. Not many people are doing it these days. They used to do it twenty thirty years yeah. ago, a lot more often. Yeah. But I'm intrigued now because uh, I know some of those rivers you're on, I bet, and um, I I don't know that I've ever thought about hunting them. D- describe a jet boat <laughs> duck hunt. I mean, that's just so cool
1: oh it is amazing it's like you're you're running either a jet boat or you're running one of those mud motors that Mm you because that's the only way you're going to do it a prop won't won't work um on these rivers They're so sometimes you just got to get out and um, push the boat into your spot, which we, we've done. But um, yeah, they're just small, small rivers, and you just get in there, and these ducks. I mean, again, when you're hunting small, small water, that there's not much they can. <laughs> if you find where they're sitting, there, you're setting up, and you're taking shots at in you know, 20 yards, 30 yards, and it just right in your face, and it just it's just really neat and then you've got just I love the fact especially because there's trees lines all all around the river there's, you know they're dropping in these trees so it's somewhat of a I don't want to say a timber hunt but as close you, as you're going to get out west to a, what a, a true timber hunt is the way they drop in and stuff but um, yeah some of, the, just a, some of the, the the funnest wing shooting I've experienced and I've, I've done this for a long time and, and don't get me wrong I love hunting big geese and, and pheasants and, and all that you know chucker maybe not <laughs> <laughs> as I get older
0: now <laughs> oh, come on I'll get you out you know if I can do yeah. it you can do it <laughs> yeah. I've seen your biceps man <laughs> if they're anything like your quads you're going to be carrying me back
1: <laughs> I'll be at the bottom how's that uh, yeah you 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 flush him down to me i'll push him back up to you <laughs>
0: so um just for the record because i again uh watch out i might come in and ask permission to go with you on one of these you, you, <laughs> you're you're blowing up like, let's say you got a jet boat you're blowing upstream and then at some point you got to cut that motor if nothing else um uh, 'Cause that's probably illegal, but but um at least it is in my state, I shouldn't say that. So so then what do you do? You just float back downstream? Oh and, no, no. What no. do you do?
1: No, we we use the jet boats to find where the ducks are sitting.
0: Okay. All right.
1: And then we go then we bring it we bring a blind we build a blind right on the river, we throw out our decoys, we hide the jet boat around the corner, walk down the river and we're we're uh yeah, we're shooting we're shooting at it, we're not drifting, we're not oh, you know, we're okay. we're decoying ducks at 20 yards so i mean I, we shot my feet we were shooting the other oh, wow. shooting 30 feet 10 yards wow. um, one hunt so that's that's in your face you don't bring your full choke to that game yeah so okay now i get it
0: so basically uh, it's almost it's almost like just yeah, hiding out at a little tiny pothole somewhere Absolutely. but but it's a it moving is. pothole and it's really yeah, it's long right. yeah,
1: it's <laughs> right. and if you and you know i know you're familiar with montana but We get cold here, so any still water is no longer—it's ice. (laughs) So you have to hit you, yeah. So that's what you hit if you want to kill ducks here. You got to hit that moving water um, later in the season. um, So um it's it, it's uh it's it's a lot of fun it, it, but it can be challenging i mean get on the boat ramp when it's iced up bring your chains like <laughs> <laughs> it's not it's not for the fair weather hunter let's just put no, it that way
0: yeah, well you guys are a different breed altogether i mean it's not just because you wear a camouflage either it's you know, there's something else up a little bit higher there uh so uh, what kind? Uh, I think I met one of your dogs, a, a little uh-huh. black Labrador. But mm-hmm. is yep. that? Are you a Labrador guy all the time?
1: Uh, you know what? I've had I've had English Springer Spaniels. I've had uh, Brittany's. I've had uh, Labs. I've had Chesapeake's. I, I'm a do- I'm a hunting dog guy. I love dogs and 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 so this just happens to be the dog that I have right now she's a sweet little um, 60 pound black lab five years old she's just a uh, just a rock star we're actually getting ready to um, um, pick up another dog a a male and he's gonna we're gonna really focus him on uh, more of the upland um, slash um, waterfowl. This little girl, she's more of the waterfowl, but I do need an upland bird dog now that I'm living more. I'm living over here in Montana. I originally, I I did I lived in um, Washington, Eastern Washington, so we really didn't have the upland birds that. We had a long time ago, but now that I'm moving into Montana, there's um, South Dakota, North Dakota is not far away. Eastern Montana has got some great upland stuff. So it's just time for me to get an upland. And I and I know there's some better outland bird dogs pointers out there. And I thought about getting, you know, some of those dogs, like, uh, you know, German short hair or something like that. But. It's just, for me, the labs have just been a dog that's just, just easy for me to, they have a switch, it seems like, where some of there those, you, those yeah, you know, some of those
0: GSPs, they, there is no switch. Yeah, it's an acquired taste, absolutely. <laughs> I you know I just, uh, in fact, in the puppy issue of Gun Dog Magazine, just out now, you know, it's, <laughs> I wrote a story and it opens with, if you're looking for a, a first dog, get a lab. And then it closes yeah. with no matter where you are in the process, get a lab. Yeah. and most people are, and I yeah. get it. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So so g- glad to hear it, and good luck on your search for a male. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, we actually have one in the breeding right now, so we're oh. picking it up. And, yeah, so we're we're excited. Um, we're, we got first choice on a yellow male, so hopefully it comes out. Obviously, we don't know what it's going to be, but yeah, we got. And it's it's close by. It's in Missoula, Montana. The, the breeder is so okay. It comes from a good stock, but yeah, I agree. But the, you know, honestly, those I love hunting with my buddies who do have like a Brittany or so pointing or pointing. I just love hunting over pointing dogs. They're just so amazing. Um, but. I just don't. I don't own one.
0: Well, that that's the right way to do it. You know, the best one, the best dog to have is your best friend. Yes, <laughs> yes. So okay. So I, you said something that I'm just intrigued by, and we talked Labradors last week on the Upland Nation podcast as well. Uh, did you settle on yellow first, or the breeding first, or what? I mean, what? How important is color to a guy like um, you?
1: You know, to me, it's it's because you're you're dealing with some of the top I, I just know a lot of the top guys in this industry as far as breeders and, and just the history I've been doing this a long time and and the black lab they say the black lab is supposedly the original color of the St. John's dog which is a mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. said the best genes to, to where you're not going to have any issues they're the smartest dog it's the, is the black one that's what they're saying the yellow is like the next best and then they say the browns are you got some good browns but they're they're, they say I hate saying this, an inferior gene, but that's kind of what the, the, these tom breeders will say. And mm-hmm. even there are some mm-hmm. breeders out there that won't even breed anything but black labs. Sure. So, um, but I again, I've hunted over, I've hunted over amazing all all color, you know, chocolates and and yellows and. And fox red now, you know, which is basically just a yellow Mm -hmm. and black. But, um, no, I just, um, I just, honestly, I was looking for a good breeding, good, healthy, um, smaller. I like a smaller frame dog because they, they just last longer. Their, their joints don't wear out. Their hips don't wear out. They, they seem like they have longer length, um, longevity in life. Um, they don't, they're not like a bull in a China shop when you're hunting waterfowl hunting. (laughs) They're just, I, I just prefer smaller smaller dogs now and i've had i've had 90 pound chesies that are amazingly tough dogs but they also at that they start getting older they have problems you know six seven years old already having hip problems yeah that's just, just you don't have if you really look at the lifespan of a dog when you have in in its prime it, it it's so the window is so short that it's just like you, you want to in order to make it as long as you can take care of your dog feed it good food make sure it's healthy you don't subject it to a bunch of over exertion heat exhaustion stuff like that because that wears on once you once you've had heat stroke or heat exhaustion that is something you'll be susceptible forever and that goes with humans and dogs so that, that that's another thing that we try to get across I try to get across and our company does is just these are important things to make sure you know extend the longevity of your, your dog by taking care of of it and um you know because like again you just don't have that that window that it's so short on on when they're just a rock star you're like oh, i got the best dog ever but you get to the point eight years old nine year old dogs where they start wearing down you can't take them out every day you know so
0: absolutely amen to all of that and more and um we're uh just getting warmed up around here at the upland nation podcast that's alex langbell he's with gundogoutdoors.com we're going to dive deep literally into this uh field trauma (laughs) kit in just a few minutes on the program uh but before we do let's just touch on some of the most common injuries that uh that you hear about that you see that people tell you about you're sitting there at the Pheasant Fest booth talking mm-hmm. to people about, hey, taking care of your dog, particularly mm-hmm. your dog's health and well-being, and they've all got stories. What are some of the more common stories about hurt dogs that you see?
1: Yeah, so the, mo- the most common story I get, and this is spe- especially for your upland bird dogs, is going to be um, injuries like tears and um, you know, from barbed wire fences Mm -hmm, from, mm -hmm. um, I, I, I've seen waterfowl dogs take corn stalks in the chest. Um, yeah. And, and and impaled them basically. Um, so it's just, but the most common ones are going to be your, your cuts and, 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 you know stuff like that you're just where you got open wounds they step on a pad or they rip yeah. their pad open there their ear catching on a fence or a thorn these those these russian olives that we have all over the west are just brutal on these dogs you know i mean they'll flatten an atv tire what do you think they'll do, do it it's a dog pad you know based yeah on so, unfortunately or, that's
0: where the sharp tails like to be
1: Yes, it is. And, yes, yes, exactly. So, um, but those are probably the most common injury I see is just um, open wounds, cuts, and uh, or I hear of, and you know, and I've seen myself. Obviously, you know, doing this for as long as I have. But um, yeah, so the, the main thing is just uh, just knowing and, and identifying it, and, and if it's a bad enough, you need to stop the you need to stop the bleeding, and yeah. and uh, you know, and then take care of that wound. And um, and I've had I've had I've had it so much where guys will buy. It. We started carrying um, skin staplers in mm-hmm, our kits, mm-hmm. and that was necessary. And I th- this is a kind of a uh, iffy subject um, if you, as far as uh, skin staplers because there's some that say um, you don't want to necessarily use it for someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Um. And, but there's times like who people like your hound hunters who running bears and, and cats and pigs. Um, where they need that because they're up in the woods or like I've been in a situation where I've been up in Canada, nowhere near a veterinarian. Um, and, and you get a dog injured and you need to close that wound. Um, it's a, you know and so that's why we start carrying it. but i tell people on that skin table that we carry it's like if you if you're within a couple of hours of a veterinarian you don't need it there's enough stuff in the in our kit where you can protect the wound wrap it up stop the bleeding and get it to a vet where they who they've sold thousands of dogs or hundreds of dogs they know how to sew it up right and make it to where it's not an ugly scar whereas you if you've never done it before it's not the easiest thing to do on a dog especially if you're by yourself yeah so that's what but sometimes you you need that safety thing, like I was saying, you know, for those who are out in the middle of nowhere. So that's kind of one of the big things. I, I talk to a lot of guy guys who come through and, and they're talking about, yeah, my dog got injured, um, got ripped and stuff like that. And I try to make it very clear to them. On whether or not to add that option because that's what's nice about our kit you can you can buy it with or without the skin stapler
0: yeah and um and i love that idea i have learned the hard way how how difficult it is to actually staple a, a, a squirming dog's skin um yeah. and then you know if you don't do it right you're just doing it again and again yeah. and again yeah. and pretty soon nobody's having any fun no. uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna dig into the field trauma kit and and more of this kind of uh, t- uh tailgate first aid if you will will coming up on the upland nation podcast alex take a couple minutes to relax put your feet up i'm going to talk a little bit about some of our sponsors and remind everybody else out there we still got our upland glossary coming coming up we're on the letter i so start thinking about what letter i you might put in there and then wow um the firestorm if you will on my my uh personal uh facebook page regarding why some people will never ever take a newcomer hunting again and and i gotta tell you they got some pretty good arguments once in a while but it all comes after this uh message from audiocardio.com. it's a workout for your ears you may not know this but you can figure it out pretty quickly go to audiocardio.com measure your own hearing acuity yeah they got a little test there it's free and then they have a 14-day free trial on basically an app. So you just take the app, put it on your phone, put your earbuds in every day. Go about your business. You won't even hear anything. That's how subtle it is. But you are, your ears are being, you know, given effectively physical therapy. Plug in your earbuds. Go about your day. Once a day, do that. If you want to learn more, watch the two-minute video at Audio Cardio. or for those of you who really need it watch the video at audiocardio.com all right and uh, i can't say enough about my roughland kennel Uh, first off designed by bird dog guys thank you doug for all of the great innovations roughland is spelled r-u-f-f-l-a-n-d kennels.com a couple things that make my life a lot easier the first is i got mine with a side door and a front door and it just so happens that the way i have the back of my pickup configured right now the side door is the most handy place to run flick in and out it's also where i hang his Roughland kennels fan run that thing off of um, my battery jump starter you know, so it runs on 12 volt, and it, man, can it put out the air? And finally, Doug, Alisa, thank you everybody over there for making doors that will open from either side. So you got your face in a door. You got a latch on the left side of the door and a latch on the right side of the door. Depending on what your dog is doing or you're doing, you want to open it from the right or open it from the left or take it off all altogether so you can clean it out. It's all handy. It's all easy to do at RoughLandKennels.com. And hopefully, I didn't scare Alex Langbell away. Alex, are you still with us? I am still with. You. Oh, thank goodness! You know, a little. You know, once in a while, everybody just hangs up and goes away. Yes. No, no not you're stuck really. with me. Uh, well, I don't mind at all. Um, one more time for the record, gundogoutdoors.com is where you learn more about all of his stuff. And and you know, I, I keep putting it off, but I'm not going to anymore. I've got in front of me the uh field trauma kit that you gave to me. And I'm I'm just gonna I'm I'm unzipping and unsnapping parts of it now. We don't have the two weeks it would take to go through all the stuff in here that's for sure but you've got one handy as well so take uh, i'll call it the front the little pocket on the front let's just take a look at some of that stuff i'm going to pull some of it out i i regret that because it'll never fit back in Um, (laughs) but the first thing that caught my eye even uh, when we talked in person was you have a hot pack and then i think inside we'll find a cold pack as well why do we need a hot pack or a cold pack for a a dog.
1: Okay, so um, both, like we were talking about earlier on the on the show, um, hypothermia, which is the body uh, core temperature getting too high above its normal operating levels, and or hypothermia, which is too low. Obviously, um, is dangerous. They're the two most dangerous conditions that we really find that that could actually kill your dog. Um, in the field and so by having a hot pack and a cold pack this is going to start to revert reverse the process of that if you identify what's going on with your dog yeah. so uh, obviously the hot pack and and i it, it, along with that is this this mylar rescue blanket and you kind yep. of use it in conjunction and the way it works is if your dog just gets to the point where um where it gets too cold where it's going to hypothermia and, and and we'll go over some of the signs and symptoms because um, um on that but once you identify that um you you basically activate the hot pack you wrap them up in this you try, you dry them off first of all as much best as you can mm-hmm. and then you activate this hot pack and then you put it against your abdomen area um don't put it directly on the fur of the skin you kind of wrap it in in maybe some of the gauze that's in this packaging and then you put the blanket around there and you start the immediate the process of warming them up, and I've actually seen this on a dog where they did go into hypothermia and, and uh, started going into seizures, and l- luckily we had we had luckily we had a heater. And that's something yeah. that I yeah. um, I always, 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 when I'm waterfowl hunting, bring a small portable heater for, for the dog. And it's not necessarily for me, which I I have used, but, but um, mainly it's for the dog for that situation. And if we did not have – if we would not have had that heater, that dog would not be here today. So we got it. We got it. Um, the body core temperature reversed. And so this is a simple way that can help by putting this hot pack against the body and the, the – or blanket and then we're on the other end of it the you know the cold pack that's your exertion your overheating your early september of uh, goose hunts or your your pheasant hunts in october um to where your dog just overheats and it's it's going bad quickly you activate that cold pack and you get it along you know it's um belly same thing that's where all the vitals are and you start cool, that cooling process get it in to air condition and what's nice about it in that same pouch I have a, um, a, I call it an emergency care field guide, yep. a reference guide, and it goes through pretty much every injury that your dog can hit in the field um, from, like both, uh, we talked about hypothermia, and then it goes over um, cuts and wounds and abrasions. Um, it goes into um, even like gunshot wounds, um, and applying a tourniquet if it gets too bad. Um, seizures, what to do. Um, snake bites, what to do. Eye injuries, thorns and quills, which is a big, big one for for, for us upland bird hunters. i um, constantly getting thorns, you know, and or porcupine quills. That's another one. <laughs> so anyway, this reference guide is just really nice. It kind of kind of goes over signs and symptoms, um, and the treatment of it, and 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 you know stuff like that.
0: And, and not not nothing extraneous it's i 'm going to say it 's probably six or eight pages long altogether, yeah. and yeah. uh compact but you you have yeah. all the important stuff in there, including like you said the symptoms for all these things and then a, a pair of uh uh gloves just in case yeah. if you 're worried about yeah. that so i 'm opening up the rest of it right now uh, yeah there's, there's some tools in there first off, yeah. uh, and yeah. you got tools that i I need to know why you you have both a hemostat and well, a please, pair of tweezers, for example. Sure, the
1: hemostat originally, when we start, um, when I put the aid kit together, the hemostat was to try to uh, the hemostat for porcupine quills. Bottom line, yeah, there's so many dogs get into into um, quill, porcupine, and stuff like that, and uh, and also it talks about it in the in the reference guide. Like you get to a point where you've got a lot of quills in the nose and the mouth and stuff like, which happens a lot, it's almost better to take it to the vet. Mm-hmm. I talked about that and yeah. trying to remove it, but there's times that you can remove it yourself. So you need a good pair of pliers or these these um, hemostats or forceps as I call, you know, call them. And, and the tweezers I got in there, it's just for small, like sometimes you get dogs who get seeds in there, like the eyelids. Yeah pull yeah so stuff like that or or even thorns and stuff that you, you can get out or you know it's just for detailed being able to pull stuff out and then got i got um, and then we have the the trauma shears which is a big scissors that i carried as a firefighter for 26 years i had one of these in my bunker and i can't tell you how many times i've used this in in c- cutting cutting seat belts you know out of cars to get people out or cutting small gauge wire oh yeah um, you know stuff like that so this is a, a great tool for and a scissors it's for cutting the bandages it's for cutting whatever if you got it's just a great it's it's just a heavy duty paramedic um quality shears that that like i said every paramedic um carries just because it's a great cutting tool and, and so that's what yeah so and then that's you
2: the, have the tools
0: and then there's a, a bottle of liquid in here and i i really like what I think I'm reading on the label because it is um, mainly water. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, it's a saline, a saline, and it's 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 it's, it's, it's um, majority water, obviously. But it's used to it's used, I use that to flush out stuff. These dogs, they come back and they just get dirty. They get, especially the eyes, like I said, the seeds, and I've seen that stuff. And you can use them to flush the eyes, the nose, mm-hmm, the ears, mm-hmm. to save. Uh, it's just a, it's just a just a sterile s- solution that basically just you can clean up your dog if you're getting ready to stitch up a wound or if you're getting ready to wrap it flush it out really good um, you know if it's really dirty because these dogs are running around in dirt and mud and, and stuff like that so clean it up I mean that's a, an important part of, of wound care is cleaning the wound first and then preventing infection and then and then you know and then wrapping it up and that's what the idea is wrapping it up is prevent pre- Stop the bleeding first of all, and this is, you know, I'm not a veterinarian, but this has all been gone through by multiple veterinarians, and this is they all approve of it. And 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 to be honest with you, a wound is a wound. I mean, sure. basically to stop, and that's what this kit is about. This kit is designed to stop what's going on immediately. It's not a bunch of fluff. It's to stop what's going on, reverse the process, and get your dog to the vet. Or <laughs> this is all stuff that that I've used as a, like I said, as an EMT or something. 27 years, and this is all the stuff that's used by veterinarians, by nurses, by doctors, by paramedics throughout the country. This is not cheap quality stuff. This is top of the line medical grade equipment in this aid kit. So,
0: and uh, the guys,
1: like I said, I've used.
0: Speaking of that sort of thing, this uh, the, you know, all my friends who served over there way back uh, in the day were using a version of this. It was pioneered, I think in Israel. but now it's a what you call a, a hemostatic granule. And this mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. this might be the best part of most kits and most people probably do not get their hands on it. Let's talk a little bit about how wow. how you use that in a first aid situation
1: yeah so this the stuff you're talking about to sell cell ox and it is it's it's for this is they use this in combat and and basically it's a coagulant to where you've got uh, heavy bleeding can't really get to it you need to stop it you would you would pour this into the wound you'd put apply pressure on like every other wound you'd wrap up the wound to protect it to stop the bleeding and you'd get to you get the dog to the vet in, in fact we have i've had um, feedback about about a month ago a uh, Waterfowl dog been one of our customers. His dog had been shot by a, a client. They were guiding, who's guiding, them, and he ended up getting shot. Well, they ended up putting this, using this stuff, and getting, getting the dog to the vet, and and the vet gave him feedback and said, yeah, if you wouldn't have probably done what you did, had the aid kit and, and applied the stuff and put the pressure on, your dog probably wouldn't have been here. So. There's a great, great feedback, great story. And I I know that our our kit made a difference in one dog, actually more than one dog, but just, just that kind of feedback is, it just makes everything worthwhile to me.
0: I love it, and, and it's absolutely true, and I uh, I hope I never have to use it, but I'm glad I have it with me now. Now, there's a bunch of sterile gauze pads, there's some some first aid tape of various sorts, there's a, a couple of antibiotics of one sort or another, all have their uses. Uh, going over to the other side, because uh, the first thing, of course, you find is, uh, and there it is right there, it doesn't sound cold, but even when it's not deployed, it feels a little cold, um, and you talked about why to use that. Uh, the other thing that i've learned the hard way is once you use this stuff make sure you put it back you know replace that yeah, stuff yeah, absolutely okay behind absolutely. the tweezers and all of that i've got a uh a roll of um whatever you call it i call it coflex or vet wrap mm-hmm. And then a bunch yep. more gauze, uh, gauze bandages and that sort of thing. You know, we all have trouble, and this—I live this every day um, because you know I live—I live amongst the barbed wire and the porcupines. <laughs> uh, but you know, ra- wrapping a dog's wound is not easy, and um, and quite often we learn the hard way that we did it wrong. Uh, it's easy to do on a leg because you just keep twirling, but you know, a, a body cut or something like that we need a we need a lot of wrapping don't mm-hmm. we
1: mm-hmm. you absolutely do and that's the thing it's like like people like how do you how do you um stop a ear wound that's that bleeds a lot oh that, gosh it's that, something to, and and it's not you're not wrapping that ear you you're you're wrapping the ear to the head yeah you're wrapping the entire head to, per, to put pressure on the ear it's just and the same thing you got a body wound you're not you, you have to wrap that entire head so that's why we've got this stuff and you're gonna, you get a good wound. You're going to use a majority of this stuff just to protect that dog. Um, just to wrap it, you know, again, that's what you're doing. You're stopping the bleeding and you prevent preventing infection. And so, um, yeah, you know, you're spot on as far as um, you're going to need a lot of stuff depending on where it's at. Like, you know,
0: Yeah, don't cheap out on the, on the bandage or the coflex or anything like that. It's the one first aid emergency you're going to have that day. Believe me. Um, it's like I remember when I was teaching fly fishing and teaching people how to tie. F- Tie the knots, you know, on the leader to the fly, and all, and they'd all t- they try to save that half inch of leader material <laughs> and try to tie the knot with this little tiny tag. And I said, you know, the leader is cheap, man. Just just yeah. use use a couple four inches and tie it the easy way, and then cut it off. That's uh, right. So That's right. So if you were, I mean, as a as a guy who's been around the block a few times, uh, you know, dealing with open wounds and bleeding and all that you know what do we do wrong when we generally wrap a bandage
1: um so the couple of things is that guys do wrong is once you wrap it don't look at it it's done <laughs> wrap it for applying pressure it's done yeah um, make sure it's snug Yeah. make sure you're doing a pressure right um keep the wound elevated there's a there, there's things about if if you keep it the wound above the heart um, that's kind of what you, the goal is. If you got a, a wound that's bleeding quite a bit, try to keep that that injury above the heart, or level, or above the heart if you can.
2: Yeah.
1: Apply good pressure on it. Um, not enough pressure where it shuts off the the circulation. Yeah. In, in, you know, in in the dog, but good good pressure, and then um and then you know, and get the dog to the vet or get or the person to the vet because this is yeah. this is stuff like I said that I've. I've I had customers reach out to me and said, I've used this kit on myself, oh, which yeah. I have literally used this kit on myself multiple times. This, You know, <laughs> like you said, I, you, I live abo- amongst a, a Walkers.
0: <laughs> it's so true. You, you know, I, I want to just interject because the bandaging thing, uh, again, many of us learn this the hard way. And, and luckily um, uh, two things that have saved my dogs over the years. First off, if that band especially on an extremity on a leg for example or even a foot if you wrap too tight the number one circulation is cut off and your dog above the wrap your dog's uh, leg will swell up it'll look disgusting below it you got no circulation you got risks from that check the temperature of your dog's pads compare a pad that's not wrapped with a pad that is wrapped. If, if that dog's pad is cold, you're you're too tight on that. Uh, so just be careful about those sort of things and um, and remember that what the, the bandage is is there to hold, I'm, I'm sorry, the wrapping is there just to hold the bandage in place. Correct. And right. you, you do want a little pressure, but you don't want yeah, at that point, uh, you're just holding the bandage in place to a great degree. That's exactly right. That's okay. Exactly right. So the proverbial question is, <laughs> oh, this is so funny. So once um, Manny broke a couple toes and so they they had to put him in a uh, a, a splint basically. and and they got some of this Koflex, you know, the, the the stretchy gauze wrapping paper that some people call vet wrap. And they had a brand that had uh, you know, all, all on every inch of it, it was printed no chew no chew no chew i said he doesn't know how to read (laughs) i can't believe it they'd never heard that before but 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 have you ever come up with a way to get your dog not to mess with that bandage
1: no, you know, the best thing is just to get one of those cones yep. that look like yep. a satellite dish yeah. running
0: around, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. That's what I figured. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had a little bit of luck, though. If it's in the right place, you can take the sock that you were going to donate to somebody else, put that sock on there, and then wrap the sock a little bit, and maybe that'll help. But you're uh, absolutely uh, – and none of those sprays. You can't spray. And, and like I said, he's not going to be able to read that anyway. No,
1: no, that's a that's the best thing. And if you were to go to a vet, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna yep. give you a cone, and they're gonna just say, put your dog in his cone so he doesn't chew his leg off. Or yeah. because they're gonna, they're just dirt animals. They're just, and it starts itching, and it yeah. just yeah. So, and, but and when you do get yeah.
0: There are soft cones now. There are inflatable cones now. So <laughs> it it doesn't always have to look like the satellite dish. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no not at all so
0: well well, um the kit is incredible it really is um now it's a little big but you can mount it in any number of ways and i guess that's what impressed me most when i was messing with it first you can you got a carabiner you got two or three pieces of velcro you got snaps you got all these ways you can attach it to your hunting vest and uh, it's not that onerous or that big that you won't take it and that is the key I talk about this with survival kits. I talk about this with my first aid gear. It's all the same. If it's too daunting, you uh-huh. won't bring it and then you're going to regret it.
1: Correct. And that's the biggest thing that I've seen in these aid kits. Cause I I put this is a kit I put together and I carried it around when I was guiding, when I was traveling, filming to TV shows, doing all that stuff. This is a, my personal kit and this is like I, I call it a no no nonsense pretty much combat medikit it, yeah. it's just to stop what's going on with the dog reverse the process and get them to the vet or to a human to the doctor that's all this is it's not a bunch of fluff in here it's not a bunch of you know there's things you can add on here you can start you can and there's room too if you want to carry some alcohol pads or alcohol because that's wonderful cooling dogs down as you put alcohol in their pads Mm -hmm. of their feet and it cools them down or if you put Benadryl in here um, you know you can carry that for possibly snake bites I've heard that works pretty well so there is, you can put bandages for yourself if you want to, although you can make your own bandages out here. And one thing that I don't know if, I, if we talked about, Scott, but we have a pretty special program that um, if you follow us, if you buy one of these kits and you follow us on social media, on, on, on Instagram or Facebook at Gun Dog Outdoors – if you use any of this product and you give us a little bit of love in social media, just saying thanks, gun dog or whatever, poaching something, we'll replace whatever you use in that kit for the lifetime of that kit. So essentially, I love it. You ha- yeah, you got, You've got a, a kit for the rest of your life that I will stock for you because that's how important and how passionate we are as a company on taking care of these dogs. It's like it, it, it is when someone leaves the booth or purchases it from us and I see that, it just gives me a great peace of mind knowing that person is going to be okay. I mean, at least he has the tools. If something bad is to happen to, to, to help him out or help whoever he is, working on she is so
0: anyway i love it that is it that up. is fantastic in a lot of ways and get, getting back to all of us who tie the fly on with one half inch <laughs> a tag in. now we don't have to worry about it anymore. he's no. gonna he gonna give us tippet material for the rest of our lives i love that yeah fantastic yep. and and that's on, on social so uh um, yep. um t- uh, instagram and where else
1: facebook facebook, facebook and Instagram. that's oh, our great. two big
0: Gun dog outdoors uh, just to just chase outdoor. it down yeah. and 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 remember that uh i hopefully most of us won't have to replace a lot yeah. of this stuff but it is it's it's as much for convenience and it, it, there you'll find a million uses for all these things no doubt about it so um let's one more thing i, I really want to cover with you because of your background in you know in emergency medical response and mm-hmm. and military and everything else if we were, you know, at the end of a hunt, uh, our dog is up on the tailgate and uh, we are really jonesing for what's in the cooler next to us. But we, we got to take care of our dog first. What are, what are you going to look for on your dog when he or she is up on that tailgate?
1: As far, you know, you, the thing is you just do a quick inspection. Every time your dog is up, you just look at it. Just make sure that you don't see any blood anywhere. Look to make sure you don't have any thorns. Just to pay attention. You know what your dog is going to be like, and the more you hunt, you know how your dog's going to react after after a, a good push or a good drive for, or when they come back with that duck in his mouth just look at make sure they're acting normal and, and just do a quick once over over them and and you know if they need water give them water make sure you're giving them water um, throughout, uh, throughout the day this one thing that people I, I see a lot of is guys who go off field goose hunting in December or January when it's cold out there there's no but these dogs are running back and forth maybe 20 times like I said it's at full speed they come back in their third I got video of my dog. It's it, it's 15 degrees out, and she's panting as hard because as, she's busting her tail to, to get me uh, my birds, you know, retrieving multiple birds and so um, j- just making sure they get water because you, you're not very thirsty when it's, I mean you, we drink our coffee and they're blind or mm-hmm. we drink, sip out of our water but we don't think, we're not working like they are Because and so that's one thing I see a lot, it's like just really making sure your dog is hydrated, that is so important, even when it's cold, weather. your dog can go into, you know um, dehydration mode Oh yeah. If they don't, you know, it's, you don't think about when you're duck hunting because they're right there but if you're you're another how many times have you been hunting and all of a sudden you find your dog laying in a creek or drinking water.
2: Yeah. Like, yeah.
1: Make sure you got water for your dogs when they come back. You know, we we carry some great tools. I got a I, we got a collapsible water bowls that we we have. They're they're cheap. They they're they fit in your your pack you know if you need to feed them uh, we have this great tool that it's a, a water bottle for dogs and it holds 16 ounces of water i tell guys throw an extra bottle for yourself or whatever it comes with a built-in cup you simply just gravity fed you pour it down the dog drinks right out of the cup there's no, no waste. waste of water yeah you, no waste you don't they, you don't have to pour it in your hand anymore um it's just a great tool again to keep that dog hydrated whether it be you know pheasant hunting and and early October or or goose hunting in Montana in, in January. It's just, it, it's important to keep those dogs hydrated.
0: Yeah, there's there's all sorts of great stuff at the website, gundogoutdoors.com, and, and, and uh, we, we could spend another hour talking about the other gear as well, but this is the sure. one that I think will benefit the most people the most often. It is an incredibly comprehensive yep. kit that is still portable enough, and like I said, you don't need to jam it into your vest. You can attach it just like it would, would any other, mm-hmm other piece of any other accessory for example Mm -hmm. uh alex uh great eye-opening information uh your experience as a a medic has has really come in handy when you put this together and especially if we will heed some of your advice one one more time gundogoutdoors.com is where we find that information alex langbell uh enjoyed our talk sure glad we met out there at Omaha thanks again good luck and uh thanks for being a part of the Upland Nation podcast
1: you betcha thank you so much Scott and thank you for everything that you do on on bringing awareness and education uh, for all of our dogs and everything you do so um, we need more guys like you to step up and do do what you're doing so thank you Scott
0: you're welcome and thank you have a great day you too and uh the rest of you we're covering the upland nation glossary in just a moment or two uh and uh, some more talk about why or why not take a newcomer hunting and then we'll drop the subject i promise after this one because it could go on forever at the rate things are going in that debate but first off let me where was i oh yeah let me remind you that we are brought to you by dr tim's natural performance dog food you know he's got a formulation for every life stage of your dog every activity level that your dog and dr tim hunt knows his stuff you talk about active dogs this guy's a sled dog racer and a veterinarian so he's got it all figured out from the ingredients to the types of uh, protein sources everything is right there plus now he offers supplements toppers and other treat kind of things as well as all the stuff that can bring your dog to peak performance Always free delivery, 30% off your first order. Just use the code UplandNation at D-R-T-I-M-S dot com. And I got a frantic uh, text yesterday from a friend who said, I forgot to ask you when we were together yesterday, do you have any starter pistols? And I said, I won, but I, I hardly ever use it because it's so bad. Uh, and i offered some other advice maybe i'll i'll answer that question sometime down the road but uh that's bad enough but it's worse when you're shopping for a shotgun i have a friend who runs the hunting department in a big box retailer and he said man you know we got like nine and that's it if you're shopping for a shotgun and you can't find one then i suggest especially in the world of browning shotguns you reach out to midvalleyclays.com they have a very special relationship with the Browning crew because uh, owner Dave Fiedler is an instructor competitor and uh, works very closely with the folks at Browning so if you're searching for your next Browning shotgun especially an auto loader for field work for example uh, they've got them the new Maxus 2 may just give you um, pause for thought it's lighter it loads and unloads easily. It's very reliable. You can adjust the stock. All of those things are important to almost all of us most of the time if we want to shoot well. Midvalleyclays.com is where you can browse the entire selection of guns that they have and guns that they might be able to get more readily than other dealers. So learn more about the Browning Maxis 2 line and all the other offerings at midvalleyclays.com okay welcome back to the upland nation podcast i'm scott linden your host thanks again alex Uh, learned a lot and um i'll put a link to uh alex's uh website and his socials at uh, the upland nation uh podcast page just in case you are interested in uh learning more about all of his great gear and in the meanwhile let's jump into the upland nation glossary yes it's our adventure through the alphabet and we are now up to i and again kind of skinny in the i category So if you have any suggestions, just pop me a note somewhere on Facebook or anywhere else, wherever you correspond with me. I'd appreciate that. In our glossary, I stands for instinctive, among other things. And if you follow the podcast or you're a student of shooting styles, you know, sometimes it's called uh, the Churchill style. Uh, Instinctive style is is basically uh, trusting your hand-eye coordination and gun fit to put the shot string in the bird's trajectory rather than all the other shooting styles from lead to pull through and swing through or uh, f- uh, sustained lead, all of those things are different styles. Instinctive basically is see the bird, mount the gun, pull the trigger, bang. Without um, without all of that thinking process about where you put the muzzle, in fact, in the instinctive style, you shouldn't even think about, let alone look at the gun barrel. Speaking of Facebook, a recent survey on the Upland Nation Insights newsletter, I asked uh, if you would take a newcomer hunting next season, and we carry on from last week where I began that discussion. It just got hotter and hotter. 7% of you said, no, I will not take any new hunters hunting, and uh, you know I got to tell you, there are a lot of good reasons for that, especially if you've been burned in the past, so I understand that. And I'm sorry that you feel that way. Not going to dwell on a lot of that, but it is important to cover some of the things that some of you pointed out that uh, may actually help somebody get over the hump and decide they will take somebody hunting. Chad Olenschlager says, have you ever seen a non-hunter's gun handling skills? Okay, dog shot, dog story, blah, blah, pass the buck, etc. I get it. But Chad is still glad to help a new kid get started. Dan Barron's uh, tired of getting his butt chewed for all the things that his so called guests. in the past and I understand that maybe we need to just choose our partners a little bit more carefully that seems to be the motif with a lot of the horror stories Dennis Sullivan good on you Um, you for 30 years did that with the youth hunting program in Illinois way to go he says and this is great there would be some lead-up conversation about shooting etiquette very strict adherence to the rules and uh dennis leaves with this thought probably of value to everybody we need to promote our passions or they will disappear i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole but amen to that all right, uh Ken Blackman, I, I I great story, love it all. Um, in his seventh decade here on God's Great Earth, he says, uh wants to be careful about all of that stuff, and I understand that. Ross Calloway says, No, before long the bastard will have his rig parked in my hunting spots. Well, if they're your hunting spots, just post them and keep everybody away, Ross. I mean, that would be the easy way to do it, but we won't go down that rabbit hole at at all, either. But Thomas Makowiak, I hope I said that right. mcawiak he says, I don't mind taking new hunters chucker hunting in Nevada. They can't hit them anyway, but they get a nice hike and thank you with beer later. By the way, he says, that's how I started and I still can't hit them. Hey, we're in the same boat. Let's form a club. <laughs> all right. I get all of that. I get it all. I just, um, uh, I just hope that some of you uh, will um, use this as a learning experience, and uh, maybe uh, the, the only thing we could take from this that's positive is, yes, pick your guests carefully, instruct them carefully, maybe start at the range. Uh, that might be the best way to learn and help them learn more about firearms safety. okay now i have talked about this for a while and we're getting down to the wire here so if you want to win a mossberg shotgun over and under silver reserve shotgun or a few other prizes that i'll toss in as well you need to nominate your hero and that's h-e-a-r-o-h audio cardio that's the hearing um, physical therapy app that I talked about earlier, they're going to give away a Mossberg shotgun and a few other things. When you nominate somebody who deserves a year's subscription to that hearing app. Yeah, a whole year of physical therapy for their ears. If you have a mentor, friend, spouse, parent, it doesn't matter who, just go on the site at my Facebook page, Wing Shooting USA Facebook page, there's a post pinned at the top. Click on that, you'll go to the site, and you will be able to nominate your Hear-O for a free year of that app. Physical therapy for your ears. You could win a shotgun and they could win better hearing. And on that note, yeah, that one right there It's time to say goodbye. I sure appreciate your listening. I thank you, Alex Langbell, for all of that great information about how to better take care of our dogs, our hunting buddies, and even ourselves in the field with your great Gun Dog Outdoors Field Trauma Kit. If you want to learn more about that, go to gundogoutdoors.com. Thank you for leaving a great rating or a review. I sure appreciate that. Those who have and those who might, if I ask nicely. And uh, I will close with uh, a quote from somebody who is anonymous. Never, uh, I get it, though. And, and we can probably all take credit for something along these lines. Without my dog, my wallet would be full, my house would be clean, but my heart would be empty. Well said. And if you are heading out with your dog, enjoy it, be safe. I'm Scott Linden. Thanks for listening to the Upland Nation podcast. Until next week, maybe I'll see you at the range.